Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Thank you so much, Peter. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty, and that's yours today. And uh, I believe God's doing a mighty work. We had an amazing time at our conference. It's the most powerful conference I've been to for at least 20 years. There's something significantly happening across our land. Keith, God, all I see for you today is acceleration. God is accelerating your spiritual walk and he's accelerating the work to restore your household and family. I saw it in Jesus' name. Yeah. And my awesome white-haired brother over there, the Lord says... It's not over until he says it's over. He's still doing a mighty work in you. Just stay positioned under his blessing and see what God will do. Hallelujah. God's good, eh? And Peter and Sue, this lovely couple, I felt the Lord just want to encourage you. He's working on your family. He loves your kids and your grandkids. He's flowing through you and there's going to be a mighty work. I just see him being drawn. At times you said, God, when's it going to happen? I just felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to encourage them that I'm at work and they're on their way. In Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, you're a mighty God. Father, speak to us through your word today. Thank you, for Holy Spirit, that you are bringing freedom over our lives, over our families, freedom in our bodies, freedom in our minds. Holy Spirit, speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. God's good, eh? Awesome. So, so good. And he's at work in a mighty, mighty way. I was talking to Pastor Byron and Ann Graham from Highway Church, where Marilyn and I preached last year. They've had 75 people get saved in the last six weeks. They've baptized 47 in water in their church alone. There's a move of God happening all across our nation. I haven't seen this spiritual hunger for about 25 or 30 years, and it's building momentum. And we had some amazing times at conference that just stirred our hearts. The theme of it was outpouring, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When you go for that, watch out. And that's what God's already been doing here. So I want to grab a few scriptures just to remind us to stir your hunger today for what God's up to, to make sure we don't sit back and miss out. Don't be a spectator, but let's get right in to the flow of what he's up to. Luke 24, 49, it says, listen carefully. Jesus said, I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you, but you to remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed or fully equipped with power from on high. That word clothed means fully equipped. That's why the Lord spoke to me three weeks ago at our leaders meeting here that you need to open up Sunday nights and, and just equip the people to move in the, the grace and power and love and gifts of the Spirit of God because we've got to be ready to minister to the broken, the hurting, the lost, those that are overwhelmed by darkness. Let me tell you, when freedom comes, darkness flees. Darkness cannot control us when the power of the Spirit invades our lives. And I tell you, there's God's shaking our lives. Sometimes it gets a bit uncomfortable because he's shaking the things we've been familiar with so that you can move into a greater place of freedom. And then Acts um, 1 verse 4, on one occasion, this is after Jesus rose from the dead, he said he saw for 40 days he ministered and spent time with his disciples. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, 
Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They were still trying to work out what was Jesus' plan. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Do you realize the last thing Jesus said before he went to heaven was verse 8? But you shall receive power. That word power come, means from dunamis, which means dynamite. When you throw a bit of dynamite around, things happen. The miners who throw dynamite around to blow open the side of a mountain to get to the minerals, things happen when dynamite is lit and at work. I don't know if some of you have worked in mines or places where dynamite happens, mate. It is awesome, it's fearsome. The word for power is dunamis, which is where we get dynamite. I want to say our Christian life should have some dynamic things happening in our souls. There should be a flow of freedom and hope and grace, not just surviving, but thriving with the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit in our life. These are the last words Jesus spoke. And when he finished that, he said, I'm off to heaven to be with Jesus. These are the last thing he ever said. So I think, hey, when Jesus makes a, a commitment of words, we need to make it our first priority. The Holy Spirit's not just an extra we have when we have a good meeting. No, this is, he says, I want you to live with this sort of power flowing in and through your life. Where the darkness shifts, where you carry the presence of Jesus wherever you go. There's his last words that he spoke into our lives. Then we go to Acts 2, 1 to 4. They decided to stay at Jerusalem and do what Jesus said. Ten days, they prayed, they sought God. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Some Bible commentators think that this upper room was the same room where Jesus had the last Passover and communion with his disciples before he went to the cross. We're not sure, but some of the Bible scholars think it seems to match up. Whether it was or not, this was a, an amazing time of encounter that has changed the world. It says... There was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house of sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest in each, all, each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this is a supernatural event. Our mind cannot comprehend this because being born again by the Spirit is a supernatural event. Your sins are forgiven. We can't see Jesus physically, but we see his work through his Spirit all around us with changed lives. We see hope come into hearts that have been bound and destroyed. We see healing come where there was no hope for people to survive. Verse 17 Peter got, no, verse 14, Peter gets up after all this commotion, chaos, people come running. It says there was a sound or a roar from heaven. It wasn't just because people ran down the street and said, hey, there's something going on at that house. They heard it all over the city. 
It was like something happened in the heavens, like a jet roaring across. The roar of what God did, the wind shook the whole city and people came running, said, what's going on? Because when God invades our life and our city and our community, it cannot be ignored. That's when you know a move of God's happening, when it cannot be ignored. At present, a lot of people can walk past churches and ignore what God's doing. But as the Spirit of God increases His grace and power, they will not be able to ignore what's going on. And that's what's going to happen because when God decides to break loose, everything shifts and everything changes. And God's getting ready. He's getting us ready. And as churches, as Christians, we need to make sure we're not going to be scared or blown away by it, but we're going to be motivated and move forward by it. In Jesus' name. And so Peter gets up. Remember Peter who denied Jesus a few weeks before? Running for his life? He's just got filled with the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden he's got boldness to get up. And he didn't preach a nice friendly sermon. He gets up and says, you're the guys who killed Jesus. No seeker friendly preaching there that day. He was just went for it and told the truth under the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, Peter standing with the eleven. I like that. They all stood together. Peter just didn't get up and do his own thing. He was part of a team. That's why God wants us to move in his grace and power as a team, as churches, as the body of Christ, not just standing out and doing our own thing and getting picked off by the enemy. That's gone on for too long. We need to learn to walk together in the grace and power and the gifts of the Spirit together so that it's a powerful force of prayer, of ministry, of equipping, of organisation together. It says he stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be explained to you. Listen closely and pay attention to what I have to say. These people are not drunk because they thought they were drunk because they were, they were just so overcome with spiritual power that at times it looked like they were, they were physically drunk with alcohol. He says, these are not drunk. Their spirits have just been filled and overcome with the power and presence of God. They're speaking languages they haven't learned, as you assume, since it's only the third hour of the day, 9am. But this is the beginning of what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. So this was the beginning of what he said. And what did he say? What did Joel say? In uh, Acts 2.17, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Not just the righteous ones. Not the ones who think they deserve it. On all people. When the spirit of God breaks loose, his spirit starts to pour out. Everyone has a choice to respond or not. But we're going to see an increasing moving of the spirit of God upon all all people. That's what he says. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm not sure when the differentiation between young and old is. Maybe when you start to dream more instead of visions, that's when you're old. I don't know. I've been seeing both, doing both for a long time, so I don't know where I fit. Goes on and says, even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And that is directly from Joel 2, 28 and 29 that was prophesied by Joel centuries before. Then it goes on in Acts 2, 3. He preaches that 33, he preached that great sermon. Acts 2 is worth reading again and, and taking time. Verse 33 says, Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father 
the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. When the Spirit of God gets poured out, it's not some secret thing that just causes you to become holy. Everyone else can see and hear that things have changed. And some Christians don't want that. Say, well, it's just me and Jesus. Well, I'm sorry. When the Spirit of God gets a holy heart, it's not just you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus and everyone else that's going to be affected by it. It's the body of Christ. It's his love pouring out through our hearts and our lives. Isaiah prophesied this in Isaiah 44 verse 3. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Isaiah prophesied the spirit being poured out thousands of years before. And so we see it culminating in the day of Pentecost, but then it says that's the beginning of what was promised. And in the last days, when's the last days? It's the days from when Jesus went back to heaven until he comes back again. That period is the last days of what God has declared. Let's go back to Acts 2, 1 to 4. It says they were all together in one place. There was unity of heart, purpose and prayer. Whenever God moves, he gets you praying on your own, gets you praying with other people and there's a sense of unity comes. The Spirit of God starts to move us forward together. Don't be scared of that. It is the most exciting, fulfilling, amazing thing when the Spirit of God fills you and overflows you. Your heart is bursting with love and hope. He gives you strength to face the challenges of life, the difficulties, the aging process, the, the craziness that goes on, the darkness that we wrestle with. But the Spirit of God is more powerful. Dynamite. We need some dynamite in our souls that blows away all the rock and the rubble and the rubbish that has crowded people's minds and hearts. The stinking thinking that has bound us up to think that we're no good and we're not good enough to think God's not interested. All that is lies and rubbish. The truth is, He's our loving Father. He sent His Spirit to fill our hearts, to give us purpose and life. So that no matter what you do in your career, in your relationships, in your family, in whatever you do in ministry, it is led by the Spirit of God. And there was fruitfulness, there's purpose, there's breakthrough in our lives. There were three major signs on that day of Pentecost. Number one, wind. It says it came like a roaring wind from heaven, blowing. It said it was a violent wind. Couldn't be ignored. We've had a little breeze the last couple of days. We got back from a conference. There's branches over the, on the yard and, uh, and things blowing down. And, but that's just a little breeze. When the spiritual wind blows, everything gets affected. That wind... You can't see the wind blowing, but you can certainly see its effects. And the Holy Spirit's like the same. You can't see him. He's here right now, moving up and down, touching our hearts, anointing my words. The Spirit of God is here. who said, wherever we praise him, he inhabits his praises, our praises. He is with us because Jesus sent him to be with us at all times. I want to let you know, he's here. You can't see him, but you can feel him. You can, you can sense his presence and power and his love. He's adjusting our thinking. Look at Peter's radical conversion. The one who was, um, you know, Jesus called him as a fisherman. Then he denied Jesus. But now he's filled with the Holy Spirit and preaching boldly. When the Spirit of God gets a hold of your heart, things shift. 
You move from being a person afraid of people into a place of you want to just honour God. He shifts the fear of man off of your soul. He shifts the fear that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy enough. He changes all that thinking over, sometimes radically, sometimes over a period of time, and you start to have confidence. Let the wind of the Spirit bring its change. It's a new day with new things, new wineskins. New wine has to go into new wines. In other words, God's adjusting our hearts and our attitudes. Church is always has the basic foundation, but as you see on that brief thing in that movie, when the Jesus Revolution started, a lot of the, ch- the old established churches couldn't handle it. People coming in and messing up their, their carpet and, and, and not wearing the right clothes. We say, well, we're not that religious. Hey, it's so easy just to have mindsets that we just don't make enough room for God to do it His way. And I thank God our church has had the grace to accept people of all backgrounds, all nationalities, all uh, ages in our church. And I just want to see that grow and continue. But it takes grace and a large heart. And sometimes we're too noisy for you. Hey, don't push back on that. that. Those Jesus Revolution people, that's what they had to do. Cope with it. Sometimes we don't sing the same songs we used to. Sometimes we, we, we uh, have other people taking our seats. Uh-oh. Whoa. You see how easy it is just to get into nice, comfortable places? When God's spirit moves, he starts to shake all of that. He starts to change it. Someone will do things a bit differently. Doesn't mean it's right or wrong, just different. And the spirit of God will do it his powerful way. It was a roar from heaven. And I can hear that roar. I heard it on Thursday night at conference. There was 2,600 pastors there singing. I've never heard a roar in the spirit like I heard just on Thursday night on the Gold Coast Convention. So that place will never be the same. There was something. People just sang and sang, but there was a roar of the spirit. The musician stopped and it was like this roar from heaven. I thought, wow, I'm beginning to understand what this looks like. And then people were getting set free in the middle of the worship and the praise because you're just making room for the Spirit to do His powerful work. It'll stretch us. Sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable, but boy, the rewards and the fruit are powerful. Oh God, do it your way. Help us to respond. There was a sound of joy pouring out of people's souls. Secondly, there was fire. There was wind. There was fire. Matthew 3.11 John the Baptist said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, fire can be very destructive if it's out of control. But if it's in your fireplace or it's in your heart, it'll burn up the rubbish. And even the fire of the enemy to try and destroy you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And what burned off their bodies? Only the ropes that tied them up. Their hair wasn't even singed. Their clothes didn't even smell of smoke. But the things that had bound them were burnt off by the power of God. And let me tell you, when, when you make room for the Spirit of God to work in your heart, the things that we burn off your life are the things that limit you, that rob from you, that hold you back, that stop you stepping up and having a go, sharing Jesus in your workplace in a practical, wise way. God, by His Spirit, the fire will burn. It burns up the rubbish. Hebrews 12, 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. Isaiah 6, 
He had an encounter with God, Isaiah. It says, verse 1, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and two they were flying. Man, they must have been out there sort of creatures. Why doesn't Hollywood make movies on this sort of stuff, mate? And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Wow. These angels that are amazing creatures, the coals were so hot he even had to use tongs. Then he comes and puts it on Isaiah's lips. Well, he's never going to speak the same again, is he? When the fire of God touches your heart and your lips, you'll never speak the same and you'll never live the same. You will now start to speak with the accent of heaven, not the culture of this world and not your broken past. You will speak words of faith and life and hope. You will speak differently about other people. You won't speak judgment and negativity and fear. You'll say, hey, the times are tough, but our God is greater. You'll start to speak the word of the Lord and it will come out of your mouth. Your lips will speak a different language and that's what God did on the day of Pentecost. So I say, well, why did the baptism of the Holy Spirit mean they spoke in other language and tongues they'd never learned? I believe God was touching their heart and their lips and saying, when I'm in charge, you're going to speak a different way. And he's given us a language of the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, you speak other in other tongues. Sometimes it's another earthly language. Sometimes it's a heavenly language. Whatever it is, God says, I want control of your whole being. Don't be afraid of it. The church for too long has been divided over this because God knows the power of it and so does the devil. So he's brought division for centuries over speaking in tongues and the power of the Holy Spirit because he's tried to get people away from what Jesus spoke, his last words before he went to heaven. Let's get back to God's plan and see what he'll do. And God's doing it by his spirit. He's going to change the way some of us speak about God, about other people, about the body of Christ. He's going to change the way we speak about ourselves. He says, woe is me. When the fire and presence of God came, he says, I'm, I'm undone. I'm a sinful man. God says, I know that's how you feel, but let me change your confession and your heart. Here, take this hot coal from the altar. Psst. Let me tell you, when the fire of God gets a hold of your life, you're never, ever the same. You can never go back fully to the old ways because you'll be miserable. Some have tried that, haven't we? This Christian life's a bit too hard, so we'll go back to the old ways, but you're never, ever comfortable or happy. Because you've tasted something of God that you can never, ever satisfy any other way. That's how God draws our hearts. And we see then, it's the presence of God and the fire of God touched his lip and he was aware of his inadequacies. But he would never speak or walk the same. Fire is contagious. Be on fire and contagious. God got Moses' attention in a burning bush. 
It wasn't the fact the bush was burning, but it never burnt up. Because bushes used to, it's so hot in the desert, they would spontaneously combust. That was not uncommon. But it says Moses saw the bush burning, and as he walked through the desert, he said, hold on, that's been burning for half an hour as we walked past with our flocks. It hasn't burnt up. That's what got his attention. So he went, and then God spoke to him out of the fire, said, I've got a purpose for you. I can hear the cry of the people who want to be free. Hey, when you start to walk closer to Jesus, you'll hear the cry of the people in your neighborhood. You'll hear the cry of people saying, I want to be free. I want to be free of this addiction, this stronghold, this pain, this fear that's stealing from our lives. You will hear the cry and God says, go and set my people free. That's what he, and he says, Lord, what do I do? And he says, send me and I will go. Send me and I will go. So he's calling us to be led by the Spirit. He didn't stay in the bush, at the bush, which is really powerful because I've seen way too many Christians have an encounter with God, a sign and a one, and then they spend the next 10 years camped around that sign or experience instead of doing what God's pointing the sign towards. This has been one of the greatest tragedies when the spirit of God moves is that people stay around the experience or the sign instead of doing what God's told them to do from the sign if I go to your house and you've got this amazing 84 inch screen for your TV and you go in and I'm looking at the screen and then they start to show you the control. Look what this control can do. For the next hour, they, they look at the control but don't actually turn the TV on. You'd think, that's strange. And you know, that's what so many Christians do. They spend time wanting to repeat an experience instead of letting the experience propel them to live a God-filled life. Lord, help us not to be caught with signs and wonders. They point us... The sign points and the wonder makes us wonder, is God real and can he do anything in my life today? That's what he wants to do, the supernatural as it breaks loose. And thirdly, there's a language of the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, speak in new tongues, speak with an accent of heaven, speak faith, hope and love. Things will never, ever be the same as you speak with boldness, authority, prophetically. Most people don't realize that I was a really shy young guy until I was about 18. There's no way. I couldn't even get up in front of a class at school and speak a two-minute lecturette because I, I was so scared. My tongue was sick to the roof of my mouth. My knees would be knocking. And it was just horrible. But when I gave my heart to Jesus at 17 and four months later got filled with the Holy Spirit at the campsite here at Beth Sheen in Harvey Bay, something broke loose in my life. And the fear of man started to lose its hold. And now I'm as bold as a lion when I'm walking in the spirit. But if I choose to go back to my own personality and thinking, I wrestle with those other things of shyness and fear of what people will say. But when I'm walking in the spirit, I'm as bold as a lion. And that's what God wants us to be. He will take your personality. That's why I love it. It says the Holy Spirit is poured out and it's, it appears like tongues of fire settle on each person's head. It wasn't just one raging fire. In other words, each person for their personality and background, the Holy Spirit comes and meets you with that and fills you and releases your personality, your gift, your calling in a unique way. That's what God does by his spirit because he loves us.
Wow. Every revival starts with the young and the poor. Just about every move of God has started with young people or poor people. Because they're the ones that are desperate to change. As we get older, we can get so comfortable and think, well, we understand it. And we, we try to reason everything out and we bring God down to the size of our brain. That's a scary thought, isn't it? <laughs> well, I can't understand it. It can't be God. What a load of rubbish. You have just brought God down to the size of your capacity of your brain. And yet that's what we do as humans. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In other words, don't put God in a box. Well, God can't do it that way. I've been in moves of God. I went to Toronto and, and when the Spirit got pulled out in 1994, I was brought up in a Pentecostal church. I saw signs and wonders happening there. It took me two days to get my heart around it. I thought, God, what are you doing? That's, that's crazy. That's impossible. There were signs and wonders that were changing people's lives. I saw people shake on chairs for four hours with their neck going a foot either side, which would break your neck in one second. They'd do it for four hours. The chairs would break. They'd fall on the ground. And these were conservative people from Asian countries. They got filled and empowered with the Spirit and went back and started great churches. Now, I cannot understand. My head's saying, don't try and reason it out. I'm shaking their life free of every tradition, every cultural thing that's holding them, and I'm going to empower them and propel them forward. Not everyone had that, but some did. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. Let me tell you, when God moves more and more, don't try and reason it all out. Otherwise, you will miss out. Let your heart let be led by the Word of God and make sure you don't focus on the signs and the wonders, but focus on Jesus and what He's calling us to do. Let God be God and let Him be the Lord of His church. And let's see what he's going to do. Doesn't have to be weird or crazy. It's just powerful. And the Spirit of God sometimes just melts people's broken hearts and heals them. One word from Jesus can break a lifetime of trauma. Or it can open the door for him to start to walk out the healing process. Whatever way God does it. Don't try and lock him down. Or you'll be like some of those people walking out of that Jesus Revolution church said, this is too scary for us. We're not hanging around here. As the Spirit of God increases, a few of us will be tempted to say, this is too full on. I'm going to find another quieter church that is okay. I pray that no one here does that. But if you do, God bless you. <laughs> but we're going to embrace what he wants to do. I don't say that in a wrong way. I say it in love and compassion. I say that because I've been around long enough to see some stuff that happens and doesn't happen. But I want all of us to walk that freedom journey because our world's in a mess. Our world is in a terrible mess. There's brokenness everywhere we go. If you walked down your street and knocked on doors and asked the story of what's happening in their world, you'll be overwhelmed, staggered. We need a move of God like never before. We need healing and grace. And God's looking for individuals, families and churches that he can trust with the full measure of his kingdom, grace, love and power. That's what he's looking for. And I saw this week thousands of people saying, hey, we're up for this. Not quite sure what it's all going to keep looking like, but we're up for it. Because, God, we want your freedom. Oh, God. 
Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, corruption, and stupidity. Well, the Bible tells us straight, doesn't it? This is the amplified version. Don't get drunk with wine, for that's wickedness, corruption, stupidity. We'll leave that there. But be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by Him. That word filled is a present continuous tense. In other words, be filled and be continually refilled every day. That's where some of us get it wrong. We said, well, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit 15 years ago. Well, where's the fruit of it? Your life doesn't have much dynamite in it and you're a sourpuss and a grumpy old person. What happened? What happened? I'm not looking at anyone in particular. I'm looking up there right now. Hey, this is not in my notes, but I think sometimes God has to get our attention. The truth is, it says, be filled and then be continually refilled. You say, is that in the Bible? Yes, let me quickly show you as we wrap it up today. There's one baptism, but many infillings. They go filled with the Holy Spirit on Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 4, persecution breaks loose, being thrown in jail. Then they pray. Verse 29 says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Hold on, they got filled with the Holy Spirit maybe a few months before. The Bible says they were filled again now with boldness. <coughs> you go on a little bit further in Acts 13.52. And the disciples were continually filled throughout their hearts and souls with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So the Bible clearly says you get baptised and filled, but then it's an ongoing infilling that you've got to choose to just surrender and let Jesus be Lord every day, every week of your life. Otherwise, godly experiences can become religious traditions very quickly. We better not go there because that's a little bit challenging. Pastor Wayne Alcorn, our national leader, says joy is the superpower of leadership when it's the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Worship team, come on up as we wrap up today. Another thing that happens when the Holy Spirit works is love. So well, I'm not into this power stuff, but hey, love's going to fill your heart when the Holy Spirit works. You notice that? You just start to love everyone. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Sometimes, some of us find it really difficult to receive love because we've been wounded, rejected, broken, damaged. Our souls and our hearts emotions, we find it really hard to receive love. And if you can't receive love, you can't give love. But the Holy Spirit, when He works in us, He starts to release our hearts to be healed from trauma and pain and rejection and all that stuff. And he starts to heal your heart so you can receive and release God's love to our families, our humanity. There are some of us here and we love Jesus, but our hearts are not free because we, don't, we can't fully love one another because of a father wound or a mother wound in our soul or a rejection from a divorce, or a or traumatic thing, or being ripped off by another Christian businessman. We say, well, I'm still going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to be so cautious now. I've got chains around my heart, and I'm not going to trust anyone. That's not freedom. That's control. 
and you're being stolen from. We've all been in places like that. But when I speak in other tongues, when I worship Jesus, a freedom comes more and more in my heart and He takes you on a journey of healing and release. Sometimes He'll use other Christians to pray for you. Sometimes He'll use a break-free ministry or, or sozo or a prayer group that lovingly take you on a journey and say, hey, come on, you don't have to live like that anymore. You're free in Jesus Christ. Let's learn how to do this together. That's how the body of Christ brings total freedom. Not leaving you saved, but locked up and damaged. That's not what God's plan is. He says, my love will pour into your heart. My love will overflow your soul. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Baysidechristianchurch.com.